1: Welcome everyone to the Cultaholic Classic Raw Review whilst the rest of the lads from Cultaholic are resting after the Christmas party. I am here with a very good friend of mine. We are hopping in an Ike powered DeLorean to go back to the heady days of 1993 where we're still figuring this wrestling thing out. Who be we? I be Fake Geordie radio presenter Tom Campbell and I be with the bear in the big blue bar cage. The man who only needs a pen, doesn't need a pencil because he gets it right first time. Justin Henry, live from off of America.
2: How are you doing there, Tommy?
1: I'm doing great. Um, Behind the curtain on the Cultaholic Classic Raw Review, uh, we we normally record on a Monday night. We are recording on a Saturday evening where, I'm not going to lie, Justin, I've been for some beers. Have you now? I love you and I respect you enough to tell you, I went out for a quick beer at 1pm Greenwich Mean Time with an old friend of mine who was visiting Newcastle. It's ten what? past seven. I've just got it in, so here we go. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I mean, you you nailed the intro, so I'm pretty sure it's uh, I'm pretty sure you'll be fine. You're not gonna bungle anything in the course of uh.
1: Any sort of bungle was a character right from now. Rainbow. What
2: the hell's Rainbow?
1: Oh, mate. This is the thing with you being in America. You never got Rainbow. Rainbow was a a kid's TV series in the 80s. And one of the characters was this guy in a big bear outfit. And his name was Bungle. And for every time anybody says the word Bungle, I just think of a a slightly camp bear.
2: Slightly camp bear.
1: I'm going to send you some pictures of Bungle that you can appreciate. (laughs) That, for for context as sense. well, um A I haven't had some again. drinks this afternoon. I may or may not be drinking <laughs> mold wine as we speak.
2: A sentence I never want to hear again is <laughs> I'm gonna send you some pictures
1: of bungle. I'm gonna send you some pictures of bungle and I'm gonna do it in the mid in the middle of your night. <laughs> you kind of have a you wake up the next day with a slightly hazy memory of maybe seeing some pictures of a guy in a bear outfit
2: I I'm almost looking forward to that <laughs> not fully yet but that but that could change for the course of the day Do you know what I'm looking forward to D- discussing this episode of raw
1: I am that and next week's. Cultaholic Classic Raw review, King of the Ring Watch Along Spectacular.
2: That I'm very excited for.
1: If you missed the news, let me share with you now. Next week, you will not hear myself and Justin discussing an episode of Monday Night Raw. You will hear an extra long episode which will allow you to watch... King of the Ring 1993 with us, along with the king of WrestleCrap, Mr. R.D. Reynolds. And I, I'm i always excited to chat to Justin Henry on an evening, but I'm doubly excited because also R.D. Reynolds is joining us and we're going to watch King of the Ring together and you're going to watch it with us.
2: Well, actually, um, I believe in your fog, you may have gotten one detail slightly incorrect there. Oh, go on. Because we're doing both, we're going to do the King of the Ring watch along, and then within within the coming days after that, we will record the post King of the Ring roll. You and I. So you are getting normal.
1: a double whammy.
2: That is correct. You're trying to weasel out of one show,
1: aren't you? Absolutely not, Your Honor. I'm I'm here for all the shows, all the time. <laughs> I for one I'm I... on to you. No, no, no. You're stuck with you no know, You are stuck with me. I... You're stuck with my inebriated candy ass, whether you like it or not.
2: For better and for worse.
1: Mm, Till death do us part. Uh, As always, a massive thank you for you supporting us on Twitter and on Facebook as well. We've had some wonderful messages. I don't know whether you've noticed, Justin, but there really is a a lovely groundswell of people tweeting us lovely things.
2: Uh, Yeah, it it is wonderful. It's great to see that over the past four and a half months that we've... We've been recording these episodes. That there's been quite a bit of support for the Call to Hall Classic Raw Review. People are enjoying what we're doing, and we're very, we're very happy about that. Because this is something that me and Tom would have just done without recording—just watch old wrestling, have a few laughs, discuss some some of the nostalgia associated therein. But we have people who who love listening to us do it, and that's I'm I'm very blessed. You're very blessed, I assume, and. Very happy about this.
1: Would like to say thank you to um, Carl Deadman. Although I would like to think that your surname is Deadman. <laughs> so, Carl De- Deadman, Deadman walking. Who says, I secretly think you both are the best thing on Colt Alec. But don't tell Jack.
2: I tell Jack that every day.
1: I'm going to tell Jack that this week. <laughs> so, thank you. And if you want to tweet us, uh, This wonderful gentleman I am with is at J.R.H. writing. Uh, And if you wish to sully your Twitter, you can tweet me at Tom Campbell as well. It would be lovely to hear from you.
2: (laughs) I do want to take occasion to uh, give well wishes to someone that we've mentioned on our show quite a bit recently, that being uh, Hacksaw Jim Duggan. I know we kind of do a running gag where I kind of of twist your ear a bit over your discontent with Hacksaw's... um, the way he's been booked, and well, just it's all good nature what we do here. Hexall uh, spent Thanksgiving in intensive care. He's uh, he's he's hoping to get out this weekend. He's apparently in good spirits. He's doing very well. Just want to send our well wishes to him and that wish a speedy recovery to one of our favorites, quite frankly.
1: I genuinely, until you said that, had no idea that was a thing.
2: Uh, yeah, I, I saw it Thanksgiving night actually. Uh, he he. He posted on Facebook and Twitter. It was and Bobby Fulton, his friend with Hacksaw, had posted about it as well. I, I guess he's doing okay. I, I I don't know what the crises or crises or crises were, but um, yeah. He says he tweeted the day ago that he, he's he's out of ICU and he's hoping to get out of the hospital this weekend.
1: Whatever, whatever it is that that put Jim Duggan in hospital over Thanksgiving weekend, and and all lulls aside. I'm glad that he's out and, and he's on the mend. And, and, and he was a big part of my childhood and, and stuff like that really hurts me. But there's still part of me that will go, <laughs> he refuses to even lose to illness. <laughs> what a boy. Uh, what commitment to your character. You even refuse to be pinned by an illness.
2: That's old man. He's resilient. And- what a boy. And, and hopefully, uh, by the time you hear this episode, when it drops on Wednesday afternoon, or early evening, depending on what part of the world you're in, uh, hopefully Hacksaw is home and resting comfortably. And Godspeed, man.
1: Admittedly, if things have changed, you won't hear this bit.
2: No, you will not.
1: <laughs> okay, on we go. Uh, where are we? When are we this week, Lord Justin Henry?
2: Well, it is the go-home show for the 1993 King of the Ring. We are in our... Favorite hovel, the Manhattan Center in New York City, June 7th, 1993. At this point in time, I was getting ready to finish up third grade. I was looking forward to a nice summer off and a summer of being able to stay up and watch the entire episode of Raw without being forced to go to bed.
1: It's really sad because by this point, and I figured this out as well, that I stopped watching wrestling. Okay. I, I went through this really long period in the sort of mid to late 90s where I wasn't watching it. And I don't know, I can't even pinpoint why that happened, but I just drifted away from it. So like the whole new generation era passed me by. I mean, it's been wonderful to be able to revisit it. And I'd like to thank, and they're not on the Coldaholic network, but they are brilliant. Um, Stuart Stuart Brooks, Adam Wykes, and Paul Scrivins from the New Generation Project podcast who are three amazing people who, who have educated me on the new generation era through podcast form. And they're from the East Midlands in the UK and they are absolutely brilliant. So big love to them. If you need a new podcast for your ears, please do visit them uh, because they educated me on the new generation project.
2: Well, and that's something that we'll definitely get to in the next year or so, assuming that we're still going. I, th- I think we will be.
1: Oh mate, you're stuck with me. I've told you. You're stuck with me, even like the the fact that the fact that I have I have left like people in the pub <laughs> to come and sit down with you shows you just how stuck you are with me, truly.
2: Well, there's an Adam Bomb match. I, I assume that would have been the you know the magnet to get you out of the pub. I mean
1: that that is just... part of it. <laughs> I won't lie, but forget we... Adam Bomb. Who is who's? This weird shell-suited man with Shawn Michaels all of a sudden. And why is that around Shawn Michaels' waist?
2: Yeah, we begin Raw with a bit of a surprise because we didn't have the internet in those days. So we didn't know anything that happened behind the scenes unless you were one of the 17 people that had internet connection in 1993. Or you got the Observer delivered to your front door. And even then, this is probably not even 24 hours old at this point. Spring announcer Bill Dunn, announces at this point that we have a, uh, a brand-new Intercontinental Champion, and then Sexy Boy hits, because Shawn Michaels hits the ring with the Intercontinental belt he had just lost three weeks earlier to Marty Jannetty. At a live event the night before in Albany, New York, Michaels regained the belt from Jannetty with the assistance of his new bodyguard, a man who, would, who we know best as Kevin Nash. We would know him soon as Diesel, but at this point,
1: he has no name and that's a big part of the mystery, the fact that he hasn't been named or identified by this point. <laughs> Sean
2: had been, through the, had been through Albany on a Nash with no name.
1: Way. Hey! Good night, everybody.
2: <laughs> At this point, Kevin Nash is just wearing sunglasses. He still has the Vinny Vegas slicked back hair to a degree, the, Jer- the jersey pompadour, so to speak. And he's wearing a track suit. Basically, he's like a colossal poly Walnuts with a goatee.
1: This is the first time on Monday Night Raw we have ever seen Kevin Nash. Yes. And, and, and he, he is such a striking visual.
2: I knew him immediately as Vinny Vegas from WCW. I, I recognized him because I watched both shows at that point, or both companies. So it was just, well, he, he's not Vinny Vegas. He has no name. Sean introduces him as his insurance policy. Well, the show begins with uh, with Don making the announcement. Sean has Diesel with him, and they show this wonderful Kelly Bundy-looking blonde in the crowd wearing an IcoPro shirt. Ah, free gear.
1: <laughs> I love that. Let's find a really attractive woman to wear some IcoPro nonsense. There she is. <laughs> You've got to want it. And the IcoPro <laughs> too. They certainly wanted it from her.
2: <laughs> we hit the opening, then we come back. Sean disrupts the Vince Heenan-Savage confab at ringside basically pushing his weight into Vince and Savage, which is kind of funny. Sean talks about the insurance policy before getting into the ring. Vince plugs the upcoming tag team match, which is going to be Erwin R. Schyster and Hedrinker Fatou against Billy Gunn and Rick Steiner.
1: He really the, went the, for the, this the, as well, didn't he? Like, what a great tag team match this is going to be. No, yeah. it sounds like a nightmare.
2: No, it doesn't. Rick Steiner's involved. Uh...
1: I would have preferred Scott to be in it.
2: Well, Scott's, uh... According to Observer, Scott had a minor injury at this point. He'd, he'd been bothered by a hamstring. And and had actually been replaced on house shows with, if you can believe this, the team of Rick Steiner and Bob Backlund.
1: <laughs> whoa, whoa. I hadn't heard this. Steiner and Backlund.
2: <laughs> you are intrigued, are you not?
1: You know what? Like... At this point, the Steiners have the whole collegiate gimmick going on. Right. I could, in, in a cockamamie kind of way, I could kind of see Bob Backland fitting into that type of gimmick.
2: Could you see Bob Backland being Big Papa Pump later on?
1: <sighs> Big Papa Pump Bob Backland. Right. John. <laughs> 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 There's John, your first Photoshop the... of the week.
2: <laughs> Bob Beckham wearing chainmail.
1: We are going to make this week a photo, a gallery of the finest Photoshops that cultaholic classic raw review listener John Eily has made for this show. I've I, I've spent a, a little part of this morning building a folder on my laptop of John Eily's Photoshop work, and I will be sharing it <laughs> in the next couple of days.
2: If we ever have like a Hall convention, he will have his own art exhibition a la the upcoming, oh. upcoming artists that you have discovered. And are if, going to Unleash Upon the
1: World. Oh, mate. If if we end... Do you know what? Okay. I'm going to put the dream out there. Because this is something I thought about the other day. I didn't share yeah. this with you, Justin. And I know that it's... I, I know that Jack, Jack the Jobber is going to Wrestle Kingdom. Mm-hmm. Okay, I would like it if me and you did a podcast during WrestleMania week in the America, and I don't know if it'll be funded by Cartolic because I don't want to put that on him. But if somebody was to start me to cover the costs, <laughs> I wouldn't stop him. Seriously. <laughs> And if that happens, yes, yes. and if that does happen, <clears throat> me and you will do a podcast in America. Well, you're in America already, so that's cheating. But this, this is true. I'll come over. We'll do it in in the home of WrestleMania week, and we will have a John Eley photo gallery
2: at the Manhattan Center.
1: Yes, mm-hmm. a, a whole gallery that you can peruse either during or before you you listen to a live version of the podcast that isn't a thing that's happening. Like, he's probably listening to this now. Like he's gone a, a shade of pale. <laughs> Cause, Cause this isn't something that I've mentioned to him or discussed. It'd just be a nice thing that could happen. Well, Adam um, I've surprises. had about five it's beers okay. and two glasses of mulled wine. And I'm a little bit devil may care. I'd like that to be a thing.
2: I want you to call Adam during this podcast. <laughs>
1: Tell him he's on air. Tell him he's on air. I can and then, and then spring it on him if i'd had another three pints that would have been something i'd have done by now we, <laughs> I've, I've not crossed the threshold to disrupt other people's nights only we yours are 30, <laughs> we're we are
2: 30 minutes away from you calling adam to tell him that, or asking him if his refrigerator is running
1: <laughs> he love that yeah. as well he always likes it when i call him out of hours
2: <laughs> but just to finish the previous point um but yes, Des Moines, Iowa, June 3rd of 93. Rick Steiner and Bob Backlund beat Money, Inc. by count-out. What
1: a ridiculous team.
2: And, and also on that show, Papa Shunga beat Jim Powers. And Yokozuna beat Jim Duggan. Doesn't say how. I'm going to
1: assume DQR <laughs> a count-out. Oh, I wonder. I'm sure he pinned him clean. Get like, well we're... soon, Jim Duggan hey, June 5th, could beat him by pinfall in Minneapolis via the bonsai drop after 10 minutes. Right, you can't just keep pulling the one time <laughs> Duggan <laughs> was pinned and say, here's an example of Duggan being a good bloke. You can't <laughs> just keep pulling the same one up.
2: One time I've named six so far. Jesus.
1: <laughs> Ease up, Tom. He's not well. Well... Sure. Circumstantial evidence, that's all you got. Brother. Okay. So, So, we haven't got a name for Shawn Michaels' insurance policy. But as I said, a very striking individual.
2: Yes, very tall man who, as Bobby Heenan pointed out, can see over the middle rope while standing on the floor. Really getting over just how large this man is. You ever hear the story of how Nash got out of WCW? No. I, I... I got Sean's uh, autobiography right here. I, I, I just want to see if it's in here really fast, because if so, I'll just throw that out there. It's kind of funny, actually.
1: Well, you you, to- you do that, and I would like to send some love to Russ Greenberg, who is the man this week who is charged with making one Sean Michaels look like a star. I do believe that we have discussed Russ Greenberg on this very <laughs> podcast, but if you are new, I'd like to remind you that Russ Greenberg. Uh, who worked as an enhancement superstar for WWF, still exists to this day. And is actually one of the more influential referees in the mixed martial arts world. And in fact, you can go to at and that is Russ Greenberg. That man has an incredible amount of clout in the world of mixed martial arts. And you know what? As a Twitterer, he's actually really quite cool. I do quite like following referees on Twitter because I don't know, I don't know whether, it's a, uh, whether it's deliberate or not, but I find they've got really good shtick.
2: And it is pretty cool just to see you know, some of these old names pop up on the internet years later, and, and you're not sure you know what really happened to them. It's just like, well, he was, he, was, he was just an underneath guy in 93 or a prelim guy, and you see him in a, in a totally different vocation and doing well for themselves.
1: It's lovely to see.
2: Okay, I found it. First, of all, first I have, to, I have to note that on June 3rd of 93, which is four days before this show right here and three days before Sean got the belt back, Kevin Nash worked his final match in WCW, losing the Van Hammer in front of 179 fans in Louisville, Mississippi. Not Kentucky, Louisville, Mississippi. So, according to Sean's book, he saw Vinny Vegas doing his shtick on WCW Saturday night. Thought he was pretty funny. Because he was kind of doing the Steve Martin, My Blue Heaven sort of exaggerated Mafia type. And um, Sean reached out to Rick Steiner, who was friends with him. And got a hold of him, got a hold of Nash and WCW. Said he Nash said he, he loved would love to come aboard but had it but had to get out of his contract first. So he went he went to Ollie Anderson, one of the top guys. And said, "I've tried the wrestling thing; it's not really working out. I give it a certain amount of time, and I'm just not doing great. I want to go back to being a bouncer. Could you let me out of his deal?" So Ole let him out. Nash took his now dissolved contract of the, uh, to the fact of that the WWE's office, and in days later, he's helping Sean get the belt back.
1: Wow. I mean, if you if you were Anderson, you'd be a bit annoyed by that. Shortly, going, "I don't want to be a wrestler anymore. Sign this. Thanks very much. I'm only joking. I'm off to be a wrestler." <laughs>
2: And it's just one more thing for Ollie to be mad about, I guess.
1: Oh, he's always mad, bless him.
2: <laughs> so we got Sean versus Greenberg. I'm I'm just sad that the fans aren't chanting Greenberg because we're not there in the business yet.
1: No, but if he was to pop up nowadays, you know he'd get that kind of pop.
2: Absolutely. So Vince explains the title change Sean bust out a miniature flare strut during this match.
1: He felt very flarry in this match. <laughs>
2: Well, Flair one of his biggest influences.
1: It's true, and and they reference it many times in years to come, where they'll say like, where Shawn Michaels would say, "Oh, Rick Flair is the reason I got into wrestling in the first place."
2: Well, it's everybody wanted to be Rick Flair, didn't they?
1: It, do you know what? If I was if, at that point, if I was into wrestling, I'd want to be Rick Flair. The man at that point in time was one of the coolest people on the planet. <laughs>
2: Still is one of the coolest people on the planet.
1: Very true. Very true. <laughs>
2: Uh, at one point in this matchup, Greenberg gets this this kind of wonky-looking inside cradle for a count of two, and that and that gives Vince the opening to point out that upsets can happen because look what happened when uh, Razor Moon faced a one-two-three kid, and we're gonna see and we'll see that in a squash match later on. The idea that a pinfall could happen at any time.
1: And I love that. I love the fact that they've now planted that seed that these squash matches aren't squash matches. They couldn't, mm-hmm. anything could happen at any point. I love that they've, they didn't have to drop that in. Like we weren't clamoring for a story for the, for the no names on Monday Night Raw. Mm-hmm. But now it adds that little element of, okay, may, maybe, just maybe mm-hmm. a thing could happen.
2: Well, I'll tell you what's cool about that. If you hated the heel and you were a less savvy fan, like I was in 1993, just a, Nine-year-old, third-grade, fourth-grade kid. If the heel's in there with a, some job or a prelim guy, and there's a potential for a flash pin, it's going to get your attention. Because you want to see that guy you don't like get humiliated.
1: Suddenly, it brings the whole thing to life, doesn't it? Like, this guy could lose dead quick. That could be hilarious.
2: Anytime there's a chance that someone you don't like could end up with egg on their face, it's going to get your attention. It's the same theory I have for Rikishi Squash, ma- or Rikishi Matches. If he's in there with somebody you don't like, you want to see that person get the ass to the face.
1: It's so true. And I love that now there is that little bit of jeopardy. Fun- it's kind of a
2: funny comment here. Vince said he thought Marty would hold on to the belt for a while.
1: I, think he I thought been- he would. Is there... And and I looked into this and I couldn't. Nothing jumped out at me. I don't know whether I was being a bit thick and missed it. Is there a reason why all of a sudden Marty's not our boy? Was it drug related?
2: I don't think so because he was still he was still making the shots. He was there through the end of the year. He wrestled at SummerSlam. I think it was just a a title change, just for a little bit of shock value.
1: Right, that makes sense.
2: (laughs) It was just a transition back to the champion after a small period. Just to kind of, like I say, you know, anything can happen on this show. We got the big double whammy with uh, Marty winning and Kid beating Razor.
1: So it's more just to sell the fact that, well, anything could, anything could occur here.
2: Yeah, because just just kind of a little jump start for the show. Throw throw a little equity into it. You know, next time to the title match, hey, maybe that, perhaps that belt will change hands because we've seen one title change on Raw. Kind of get the audience out of their lull.
1: Ah, That makes sense. That makes sense. But either way, uh, this wasn't happening tonight. We saw Shawn Michaels finish this whole match off with a pile driver. We're not quite (laughs) at the switching music phase yet, are we?
2: Yeah, we're not quite at the point where Razor just said, hey, it's your best move. Use that.
1: It It was indeed Razor Ramon that went, hey, get on that.
2: I did think it was funny at the end when Shawn's doing the trademark pose, the straight leg, bent leg, double flex. He's facing where the hard camera would be, but the camera is not focused on him. It's focused on Big Diesel at ringside. So we see the back of Sean, but, but the production crew is too busy gawking at this, this new find.
1: But that's the big I, story, isn't it? Because they, they're mm-hmm. doing that whole over-the-shoulder camera of Diesel to give the impression mm-hmm. of this guy is massive.
2: I think perhaps uh, somebody fell in love with Kevin Nash a little bit earlier there. i'm not saying saying premature i'm just saying like they took one look at him and said that's going to be a future champion
1: that mystery person looked at him and went kevin nash
0: wow
1: i wonder who it was that said that
2: yeah that voice sounds a little familiar um
1: gary stride wow
2: I can't believe Regis was a commentator for one of those WBF pay-per-views.
1: is it weird? What a time. <laughs> what a time. It was just... Vince... <laughs> Vince McMahon went, what do I really like looking at? Let's make it into a pay-per-view. <laughs> <laughs> wow!
2: <laughs> we get the King of the Ring report, and that's a, that's a hell of a segue because the uh, WBF pay-per-views were the same weekends that King of the Rings would have been on in 91 and 92 if it was a thing.
1: It's a shame so, because the, the WBF could have basically been the NXT takeover of the 90s. It really could have been. We see, hey, hey, do you know what? King of the Ring was rubbish. What is Gary Stridham on Saturday night? Shows you where the real talent is. The day
2: after WrestleMania, Gary Strider's music hits and the crowd goes nuts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, would have been
1: amazing. Gary strider has been called off.
2: I can't believe how they screwed up buried the maze gimmick on the main roster.
1: <laughs> oh, oh wow. Oh WWF would have been such a wonderful world if the WBF had been their NXT. <laughs> weird. Pop weird. for Gary Strider when he first came out was incredible. But then by September he was just losing on SmackDown every week.
2: Yeah, they took the Gary out of his name. Now he's just Stridum. That's just stupid. Well, <laughs> why can't he have both names? Vince said, You can't relate to a Gary. He's a Stridum. Wow. I'm going to make up my life's mission to redub commentary for those WBF pay per views with Mara Ronaldo.
1: <laughs> Mama <laughs> Mia!
2: He's jumping out of his chair every three seconds like a, like a jack in the box. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the substantial subscapulary of Gary
2: Stridham.
1: Oh my god, that's a great impression of Mar Ronaldo. Mamma mia Insert topical reference Mamma Mia <laughs> it was
2: big in nineteen ninety three. Okay, last action hero. Well, actually that wasn't that big. I um, loved Jurassic I loved d-
1: during the um Ladder match for the North American title, where he was saying, They're reaching for it like the infinity stones. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> what a boy! <laughs> Look, yeah, flipping Avengers reference.
2: <laughs> because he keeps up with the world. He's, he's, uh, <laughs> Maro's amazing.
1: Yeah, you... he's, he's ace. <laughs> Maro is my boy. And <laughs> genuinely, every time I. Every time I watch an NXT show, it's because I want to learn more from Mara Ranallo.
2: He takes MSN's homepage, Reuters, and Entertainment Weekly, he puts them into a blender, and he drinks it every morning.
1: I just, it, I love it because it's that... It, it enhances what you do when you're so on point with what's, what the world is doing at the moment. It enhances the show. It makes everything feel bigger than it should. I love him. I love him. Do you love him as much as you love me, Gene? I don't love Mean Gene at all. <laughs> I mean, I love him less because this week his tie is very bland.
2: Yes, he he dropped the Mrs. Frizzell Magic School Bus tie. Now he's just, he, he's normal again as we head to the King of the Ring we get the King of the Ring report.
1: I like he to think he got very... told off for wearing that tie. You think so? I think he got told off. I think he was told it was too much. I don't, I've got no evidence of this. But I'm fairly adamant that he did.
2: Because that would be the most loudest thing that anybody's worn on these shows in 1993 was, was a school bus necktie.
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean if, if you're not looking at Crush, then yes.
2: <laughs> or, or Bobby Heenan's salmon-coloured jacket. Or Randy Savage's outfits on a week-to-week basis. But still,
1: I, I think that's even funnier if Mean Gene has been pulled up for his tie and he goes, like, well, the state of everybody else around here. <laughs> we're we're going to cut the funding to All-American if you don't sh- straighten up. <laughs> yeah, you'll only get tickets, but not transport. <laughs>
2: got to pay for your own meals. <laughs> so, he, Mean Gene sounds positively lively during his King of the Ring report. Runs down the cards. Got Hogan Yoko, obviously. Points out the tournament while noting, and I'm quoting here, the winner's advance. As opposed, As opposed to, what? to the
1: losers, like normal.
2: You know, I thought that'd be a great idea years ago. To, to have a, uh, what I call the loser weight championship. You have a tournament where only the losers advance, and the guy who loses the final has to wear the belt, which looks like a very crappy belt, and he can only drop the belt by beating somebody.
1: I'm going to blow your mind here, Justin. Is, is that a real thing? The loser weight championship is indeed a thing. I thought I just dreamt that up one day. Have you never watched uh, Grimm's toy show? I honestly have not. Grimm um, is a YouTuber who started, who became successful by like talking about wrestling toys and stuff like that. He since started his own backyard wrestling promotion, which Mm -hmm. just kind of parodies a lot of American wrestling. And they had, and I don't know if they still do have it, they had a loser weight championship which when you lost the match you gained the belt it's, it's kind of like, like in the... the tag your hit of bad wrestling
2: it's like being in the bundy will
1: <laughs> yeah that you're
2: you're in the will no
1: <laughs> yeah but the loser weight championship is a thing i do believe it should be a thing in in mainstream wrestling as well, though. I love the idea of a belt that you begrudgingly hold.
2: She's like a bag of dog feces. Not even a belt. You just have to carry it with you everywhere. because got to to the airport. You got to carry it in the locker room with you. And deal with the associated shame that comes with it.
1: But I quite like... like it, It's something different that when you get a wrestler who treats a belt badly. Like Naito in New Japan... <laughs> who, when he won the Intercontinental Championship, he just kicked it around. <laughs> he just threw it in the ring, just smashed it against the ring post.
2: So Shane Douglas did the TV title in, in, in ECW in 96.
1: I love it. I quite like I love it. It's, it's just different. So, I, so yeah, I that. mean, a whole tournament based on the losers loser stays on would be brilliant. <laughs>
2: and, and it does segue in into our next championship match announced for King of the Ring as Crush versus Shawn Michaels is now for the Intercontinental belt. And this actually segues nicely into, into the next little bit back in the arena as Shawn Michaels is just now hearing about the match for the first time, it being for the belt. He rushes out and gets in Vince's face and he blames him for it being a title match.
1: Huh. Is this one of the first times that Vince McMahon has been acknowledged on screen as the owner
2: Uh, He has been before, especially in that one charity video we saw when when they spot shattered him at the very end.
1: Yes, that's true. That happened. I forgot about that. But
2: but in story terms, this might be one of the first times that he's acknowledged as the puppet master.
0: One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes.
2: Nice dress. Uh, It's a a t-shirt.
0: Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care.
2: salads generally for most people are the easy button right for me that wasn't an option i never really was a salad guy that's just not who i am but noom worked for me
0: get your personalized plan today at noom.com real noom user compensated to provide their story in four weeks the typical noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week individual results may vary
2: we did get a nice little bit where sean refers to diesel as and i'm quoting here the Great Wall of China. What a weird thing to call him. Well, because he's he's an impenetrable force that's supposed to be what he's implying. But Sean had his had his own China before Hunter did.
1: Way.
2: That's what I got from that. Wow!
1: Like, wow! Well, that, well, well, I just thought it was weird. I thought every week is he going to reference him as a very as a different building around the world? <laughs> My Leaning Tower of Pisa. My Hoover Dam. My Arc de Triomphe.
2: My Sears Tower. See, that would make sense. He's tall.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> My Ollie's Bargain Outlet off Route 49. <laughs> That's what he was doing really bad.
1: My Medieval Knights in Orlando, Florida. That's the only building in Florida I can think of right now. <laughs> My Epcot ball with the ride inside it
2: well that was rikishi's ass i thought was the epcot hey! with all the craters <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: let's remember I'll that for t- when Vartu <laughs> turns up
2: <laughs> i'll tell you whose skin is not craterous is themus claritas who is carrying the raw placard around the ring
1: oh she has excellent skin
2: very much so and she and she's here to be the prelude to the adam bomb versus tito santana match
1: this is really built up like a thing
2: yeah, they're kind of trying to reinforce that Tito Santana at one time was a major player here in WWE, although that was certainly some eons ago.
1: They very much paint it like this is, like, hey, Tito is a real force, and good luck to Adam Bomb.
2: Well, they need to make Bomb look impressive when he wins. So yeah, I guess So Yeah,
1: there is that. Like, you don't want to lose to a nobody, do you? You don't want to beat a nobody. You'd rather beat a somebody.
2: Exactly, and... We get the mushroom cloud intro for Adam bomb and bomb is accompanied by our good friend, Johnny Polo, the future Raven. And I can't underline that enough because the man you see here who would one day be the dark brooding Raven in ECW, one of the most nefarious and evil understated characters in wrestling is carrying a lacrosse stick wearing these big exaggerated gloves wearing nerdy eyeglasses. And I guess like a, uh, not a painter's hat, but what would you call that sort of hat? It
1: looks almost like a French hat, like a beret.
2: Okay, a beret, because I, I didn't note that, but, but I, just, I knew he had a hat of, of some uh, repute. And he's waving his arms back and forth as if he's doing sing-along to hip-hop hooray. And hes this, he looks like he's three sheets of the wind, possibly. <laughs> he's having... Wait, He's having way too much fun given the circumstances. And you got to remember that this guy would once crucify the Sandman.
1: But at this point, he's going, you know what? I've been told to walk out with a, with a lacrosse stick, and I'm just going to own it.
2: There was one day around this time, it had to be a Saturday morning show, whether it was Mania or Superstars, and he was managing Adam Bomb at ringside. And he was wearing a snorkel and flippers and t- making this exaggerated walk around the ring and my dad walked in and saw my brother watching and goes, who the hell is that? <laughs> so I'm, I'm pretty sure that's what Polo was going for, was that exact reaction.
1: <laughs> I, I love when wrestling gets that kind of reaction.
2: Johnny Polo was ahead of his time. I mean, like him even better than Raven. And I was a Raven mark
1: when I was a kid. Do you know that lacrosse, the sport that Raven is pioneering here in the WWF.
2: It's not the word, but okay.
1: (laughs) Goes all the way back to the year 1100 AD. Really? Apparently established in Canada many, many moons later. And it was actually a summer Olympic sport in 1904. And there were only teams from America, Canada, and Great Britain
2: uh, it's, a, it's a pretty fun physical sport we actually have had the American Lacrosse League here in the US or, or, or World, World Lacrosse League whatever it was and uh it's a pretty tough sport all that running around all that flinging the ball around at a high rate of speed it's, it's like high meets hockey
1: they reckon it's the fastest sport on two legs
2: yeah it's uh it's pretty intense I've played it in gym class I've hit a girl right in the face with the ball one time <laughs> And then I flipped told her get out of the way.
1: <laughs> After I her right in the cheek. I love that. Smashed her the and then went, get out of the way.
2: I was a smart-ass 16-year-old, let me tell you. <laughs> so Adam Bomb takes off his goggles, and this is the first time on a Raw that we see the discolored eyes. It's got these yellowish-green eyes with, like, red little tips at the end of each. I always thought that was a badass look.
1: I like the attention to detail with having the contacts in.
2: I like that he's apparently radioactive and that he's, he's touching people in, in the match with bare skin.
1: That never even crossed my mind. I, I assume by this point he was decontaminated.
2: Well, you would think, but his eyes keep changing colours, so who's to say? <laughs> this, is, this is actually Santana's last role match.
1: Is it? I had a funny feeling he was on in a couple of weeks' time, but... Oh, that's sad. We didn't do Uh, haikus for Santana.
2: We we should have. We really should have, but... You
1: have an issue with him. Tito Santana.
2: Okay, that's a a good start.
1: El Matador (laughs) has now left. This was a joke, (laughs) right?
2: <laughs> I got the last five syllables ready. Go on. Reba Oh! <laughs>
1: hello! I'm, I'm Lost proud of More that. matches than Duggan. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Was much more giving.
1: Help the stars of tomorrow through.
2: <laughs> okay, enough <nothing> enunciating.
1: <laughs> Bob?
2: Bobby Heenan has to be Bobby Heenan, and he compares the pre-video mushroom cloud to having dinner at Santana's mother's house.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I I love Bobby! What a boy! He was in good form. He was in good form for this.
2: That's the second week in a row that he's made fun of somebody's mother, and Savage takes notice of that.
1: What is it with you and mothers? He didn't say that. I wanted him to say it. It all started when he made fun of Bossman's mother a few years before this. Oh gosh, yes, he did, didn't he? In the run to WrestleMania Seven,
2: his his best line from
1: that time is what he said that
2: you can't take you can't take Bossman's mom fishing because she'll eat all the bait. (laughs) For God's (laughs) Ah, Bobby was the greatest.
1: Ah, we (laughs) miss you, Bobby.
2: It's during this match that Vince gives us the unconfirmed report. I put that in quotes. The Razor Ramon is now offering $7,500 for a match of the One Two Three Kid. Jeez,
1: he's really ramping up the ante, isn't he? And, and, and Kid has to decide whether that
2: kind of money is worth dying over.
1: Because he was very adamant that he didn't want to fight because, you know, he was watching wrestling with his nan, and his and, nan was like, oh, don't do it.
2: Yeah, because this is a big scary man. He's not going to be using wrestling holds in that match. Probably going to bring like a crowbar or something. Pry his eyelids off. I I could swear at one point that the crowd was trying to break his
1: back. The, the atom bomb that injured Tito Santana. I thought I heard break him back. But break his back makes more sense. <laughs> break him back? Maybe <laughs> I, was like, I, w- I didn't get it. And then I, I kind of wrote down break him back, question mark, question mark. And now you've said break his back. I was like. It makes sense, but I don't know why anybody would be enticed to break the other's back.
2: Perhaps they were changing Breaking Bad.
1: Well, they were predicting a big TV show from the noughties.
2: Yes, they they were thinking about a future show in which a teacher has to resort to making meth.
1: (laughs) They planned it long beforehand.
2: Yes, it was uh, one of those bizarre time travel scenarios.
1: In terms of time travel scenarios, right? Adam Barton goes outside the ring, springboards from the, from the outside of the ring, and shoulder blocks Tito Santana from the back. What a weird, like... I mean, that sort of move is, is fairly common in the fast-paced world of wrestling today.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But I thought, that as a finish, that's a bit peculiar.
2: Well, I mean, it's it's a almost three hundred pound man flinging his armor at the back of your skull. It looked
1: and impressive. It,
2: I'm, I loved it. It was a pretty solid finish. It uh, shows a lot of agility for a man who's not only that tall, but is also,
1: I mean, I mean, I mean, that heavy, but he's also about six seven or six eight. But I feel like, uh, and I know they went for it on the commentary, like, oh my god, he's a he's like a huge cat, on the outside. But I kind of preferred the power bomb. As a finish.
2: Well, he had two main finishes. Uh, and the power bomb I think, was just like a placeholder move. I think, if, if, if I remember it right, and I could be wrong here, I think the slingshot clothesline there was the Neutron bomb.
1: Well, they didn't reference it with a name. I know Bobby right. made, a, made a comment about it setting off the Geiger counter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think it was called the Geiger counter. Uh, no. Nah. I mean, it might have been called the Neutron Bomb.
2: Because I think the pump handle drop was the Atom Smasher. Which are both cool names for Moose, by the way. They're cool names. Either way, that, that gets to win. It was a pretty effective little match. Demonstrates the Atom Bomb is a dangerous individual.
1: And he beats somebody from, like, WWF folklore. Yeah. So the, the whole idea yeah. there is that they've made a star...
2: To a degree, yes.
1: To a degree, because he's beaten somebody from off of the past.
2: In case you were wondering, Santana's actual last match of the company came in Wildwood, New Jersey, which is a mere 45 minutes drive from my house, a building that I, I was at this summer for a, for a SmackDown house show. He defeated Damien Demento.
1: Everybody defeated Damien Demento. I didn't, did you? Apart from me and you. Everybody else <laughs> defeated yes. Damien Demento.
2: Yes, Sam Driver whooped his ass.
1: But that would do it for him in in the WWF. He would that do would. stuff in the NWA. He'd be part of Eastern Championship Wrestling. He'd become the that year he would become the ECW champion. What a weird thing to think about. <laughs> it's it's true. Tito Santana becoming the ECW champion defeating Don Morocco. <laughs>
2: <laughs> hey, Don Morocco is extreme.
1: And he wants to, he he, to
2: eat a sandwich with one hand while beating up a jobber with the other.
1: Did that really happen?
2: Yeah, that was in the early 80s. So He, he was eating a meatball sub with one hand while dispatching the jobber with his, with, his, with his free hand.
1: Oh, that is incredible. Don Morocco
2: was awesome, especially in the 80s. He was the
1: original rock.
2: Yeah, he, he was the original su- asshole supremo. I, I just did a small bit of research here. Santana actually won the belt from Morocco five days before his last WWE match. Oh, really? So, going into that match with Demi Demento, he was the ECW champion wrestling on, on a B-level house show in Wildwood, New Jersey.
1: Blimey. I never knew I, that. I wish he brought the belt. I wish he
2: brought the belt.
1: That would have been a pretty cool sight. He
2: said up. He
1: said up. Well, not quite yet. But Well, nearly, because Tito Santana would lose the belt, lose the EC Dub championship to Shane Douglas.
2: Via forfeit. Via
1: forfeit in 1993.
2: See, just like Duggan, he won't lay down.
1: <laughs> no, 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 no. Because if okay, Duggan... If, going, and, and get well soon, Duggan. <laughs> this is it, right? Thanks to the, the, the power of the social media juggernaut that is Cultaholic... Thank you for the gig. Appreciate it. Um, I, I'm now, on a daily basis, <laughs> will get gifts of Jim Duggan sent to me. I've now been painted as this anti Duggan monster. I'm gobsmacked that nobody has yet tweeted Jim Duggan to go, I Do you know what I'm saying? Why am I even putting that out there? <laughs> okay, I'm going to stop that sentence right now. If you
2: edit this, so help and ask
1: John Eiley to Photoshop a Dragon.
2: <laughs> the John Eiley Dragon Collection.
1: Yes, please. John Eilie, a dragon. Thanks, mate.
2: Now, now at the Guggenheim.
1: <laughs> it will be wherever WrestleMania will be this year because we will definitely be there doing a live podcast with your artwork behind yes. us.
2: Thanks for funding it, Adam. You're, you're a good sport.
1: Thanks, thanks, Adam. G. Appreciate that. Um, yeah, so Adam, <laughs> when we do it on, on a little stage in America, I'd like John Eilidh's artwork behind us. That would be good. That would be good. Justin, tell me! Tell me! You wouldn't love that night.
2: <laughs> it would be the most surreal moment of my life, and that's there saying something. There
1: you go! There you go! <laughs> Hashtag... <laughs> Get Justin and Tom to WrestleMania. I'm just put it out there. I'll book the time off work. Hashtag get Justin and Tom to WrestleMania.
2: Dude, it's a two-hour drive for me. It's not even a big deal.
1: <laughs> we'll show <laughs> off. I have, to, we'll to... I have to go to an airport.
2: Well, good for you. I don't like the going day. to
1: airports. They take ages. <laughs> I just spend ages getting through customs because I keep leaving change in my pocket or keeping my belt on, and they all think I'm here to cause harm.
2: Well, bring less stuff,
1: you posh dickhead. (laughs) Oh, bring less stuff, you posh dickhead. Like, Why is a belt posh? A belt keeps my trousers up. Oh, get you! Wanted to keep your trousers on, you pox dickhead! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, look at me, son! I'm a millionaire! Wears a belt! (laughs) Hey, Dad, you look like James Bond! I'm from South Jersey, you're not very fancy (laughs) here. <laughs> i'm not just picturing you living in a town where everybody keeps their belt their trousers up with rope oh,
2: i wore a belt because i'm doing okay but that's <laughs> oh you point. show
1: off <laughs> I'm, yeah, I I... I'm wearing a belt i'm doing all right that's on your bloody gravestone that is just an henry if i'm wearing a belt i'm doing all right we are way off track here. Um, no, we're not. If you're wearing a belt, you are too posh to listen hey, hey, to this show. Speaking of belts, Hogan has one. He's defending against Yokozuna. And we get a promo for it. He certainly does. And quite frankly, the, the crowd reaction every time gets worse.
2: It does. He's, he really is Hogan Reigns at this point.
1: Oh, whoa. I never thought of that. That's a good line. Keep that. <laughs> Make Hogan look Hogan Reigns. <laughs>
2: The best part of this video is the funky synth bass beat while Tony talks. It's like someone dubbed in quotes over a rap beat. Like like a Jack Tony
1: raps. <laughs> I do like the promo. It's just a shame about the content.
2: Yeah, it's uh that and dubbing over Lord Alfred over Jim Ross. I don't get that.
1: I'm yeah, there's there's lots about Hogan that I don't like. That is part of it.
2: Let's blame Hulk for that.
1: <laughs> I'm excited because it means that when we watch Hulk Hogan finally like, get booted off a of Monday Night Raw, we'll be sat with R.D. Reynolds while we're doing it. <laughs>
2: yeah. And Yes, I'm more than looking forward to hearing R.D.'s perspective on a 25-and-a-half-year-old pay-per-view. It was actually a good show if memory serves me correctly so I've
1: never even seen the show and I know I said this last week I've never even seen the show so I'm dead excited
2: well here's all here's I need to know going into it was Brett in the match? yes then it was good was Brett in the match? no then it wasn't good
1: a really simple flow chart if you're watching King of the Ring with us is <laughs> Brett in match? yes or no? <laughs> match <laughs> pretty <sucked>. much
2: <laughs> we then get my favourite jobber so far on the show and we've seen some real winners, whether it was L.A. Gore, whether it was the Petite Blonde that teamed with a... There was that one Star Brothers squash a few weeks ago. I came... I'm sorry, it's the Smoking Gun squash team of Glenn and Ruth. Got like 110 pounds, I can't remember his name. And the Tony Vodge, I think his name was.
1: Yes, the guy who has literally no past, present, or future.
2: <laughs> That's not
1: like me. He literally existed for that match.
2: <laughs> we have a guy that tops them. Tatanka takes on Peter Weeks. Now, I, I didn't know who Weeks was going into this match. I saw the name. And I'm like, is he a one and done? And apparently, this is only his his only match with the company in '93. Although he he had appeared previously on other shows in '92 and so forth. He's billed as being 310 pounds, and I believe that.
0: <laughs>
2: he he looks like a cross between Rusev and Al Perez.
1: What a weird guy! Like, just big lad, like squeezed into his gear, perm on the go. Quite a strike. Do you know? Um, oh gosh, I, I I wish I'd written this down. There was a there was a character in Impact Wrestling recently. His surname was Justice. And he was played oh. as the, the, the backup super wrestler. Cop, super cop. Dick justice. <laughs> was that what it was? Yeah, he's been a CZW. I, I know exactly who you mean. And but, I, he was, I, but he was billed as like the backup wrestler. That was his mm-hmm. shtick. <laughs> I kind of uh... drew comparison to him here.
2: <laughs> he once pulled a gun in the match in CZW on somebody. No. Yes, he did.
1: That's incredible.
2: And then the guy – I can't remember who the guy was that he pulled the gun on, but he pulled a donut out of his pants and threw it in the aisleway, and Dick Justice ran after it. <laughs> I love him. I absolutely love him. So if you've seen Dick Justice, Peter Reeks is a fairly similar appearance, although probably a little bit taller than Dick Justice. Peter Brees also looks like an in, in out-of-baseball, out-of-work out um, Kenny Powers. From... I, can,
1: I can, yeah, I can get that. I can get that.
2: <laughs> and he, he, it's almost like whoever was in charge of bringing in the prelim guys, and I'm, I'm not mocking Mr. Weeks. He apparently had a solid 15, 15 years or so career as a wrestler. All the respect in the world to that. Based on his appearance, it's as if somebody who's in charge of, of wrangling the prelim guys saw him as a possible rib on Vince. Like, you think Vince will love this guy? <laughs> and they brought him in and showed him the Vince just to see his reaction.
1: Well, you you know that the the money they earned from doing Monday Night Raw was really low.
2: Yes, according to Bruce Pritchard.
1: like they were getting paid like twenty, thirty, and the main guys were getting paid like maybe twenty, thirty dollars a go. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, they touched on this on OSW Review, which is another lovely podcast you should check out. <clears throat> but the idea of Paying The Undertaker. <laughs> $20 to rock up. <laughs> Just fills me with joy for some reason. <laughs> so if those if, if the main lads were on that, what's Peter Weeks getting?
2: Some Arby's coupons. <laughs> he's,
1: he's getting free parking, isn't he, for an hour. <laughs> wow, general. He's getting free parking in New York for an hour. <laughs> and he's getting 10, 10% off. Like a, a, tour, a tour on the Empire State Building. He's, he's, he's getting parched from Howard Fingles' messed up car. Howard <laughs> <Aaron> Fingles' <laughs> messed up body because he's still <laughs> off.
2: Here, ha- have a carburetor.
1: Well, <laughs> oh, I needed one. But then, but there's part of me that goes, well, Peter Weeks would have just like gone... He would, it, I look at someone like Peter Weeks with that knowledge in my head going, he probably would have, it probably would have cost him more to get there and do the gig than he'd have earned and we've all done gigs like that if you're if you're a freelancer you've all done those gigs where you go i'm actually gonna you know this is gonna cost me more than i'm gonna earn but it's exposure and i'm gonna do it sure sure i think that peter weeks thought look i'm getting paid five dollars (laughs) to wrestle Tatanka but this is gonna launch me into the stratosphere so away we go (laughs) and my
2: parking gets validated
1: (laughs) and yeah and I get free parking in New York who sniffs their nose up at that
2: he takes a hell of a bumper over the ropes at one point off of a hip toss this is a 300 pound man just going ass over tea kettle and there was a lot of ass to go over tea kettle because he goes flying
1: he's a bit clumsy for the rest of it though so he does that one move and that's fine
2: (laughs) yeah that was uh, that was enough of an impressive visual
1: it's what yeah it is I think it's the fact that as he goes over like his legs go quicker (laughs) and it looks like he just hits the ground with a thud yeah low
2: center of gravity I I noticed during his match every time he took a bump in the ring in like the latter half of it there would be a new stain on the canvas did you notice this?
1: I didn't, but now I'm going to have to watch it again and look, and it makes me really sad. I don't want to the, think Peter Weeks was that greasy. By the end
2: of the match, there's four pronounced round stains on the mat.
1: <laughs> oh, no!
2: <laughs> it's like shoe polish rubbed off or something. It, it, it's really it's really off-putting. It's just like, I'm like, like why are there two stains on the mat? Why is there oh. three stains on the mat? <laughs> Right. Like,
1: I'm, I'm going to have to load this up on my phone and have a look yeah. and see for myself because I never spotted that, but I can believe that. Was it when, <laughs> as I'm loading it up now, because there's a bit where Tatanka was throwing him back and forth into the ropes and he body slams yeah, it.
2: Yeah. It's a, uh, I think they're all bumps from weeks. Like I I, I can't be sure. I'm going to go back and, and, and count them a second time, but I'm just noticing my God, there's four different stains on the mat. Tatanga T- 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 does finish with the top rope tomahawk chop as opposed to the end of the trail because. Oh, you're right.
1: Yeah. Oh God. Let what? me just rewind what? that. Let me just. Can you detect right. the source from? Uh, do you want to detect the um, source from what? What part I of can, the body that comes but before be? I say it, I want to just double check. Because I don't want to cast aspersions on Peter Wiggs. I was like, oh, okay. The the jury's still out. It's lower back.
2: Did the first bump, perhaps... Could that have caused a possible bodily chemistry issue?
1: I mean, it was quite a heavy bump. Oh, God, you're right. Oh, this may be a bit sick. (laughs) When you say it knocks something out of you. Oh, my God. A, a, a hard strike. Is... <laughs> okay. I tell you what, because this isn't a watch along, so you're not watching along. You can do that with the King of the Ring one coming up. But Good I tell fun. you what, go to 22 minutes in to Monday Night Raw 20 from 1993. And Tatanka versus Peter Weeks. Two stains I've spotted so far There's... appear after he's been slammed both stains are from the lower back there's there's more coming there's more coming there's more stains coming oh that's oh peter <laughs> oh mate oh god i don't want it to be what i think it, okay right he's hit the ground the, oh no there's another one <laughs> oh god okay so
2: i wasn't i wasn't hallucinating you see it? oh i feel a
1: bit sick. <laughs> How did I not spot that? Oh, God. Okay. Oh, and now you can see he's reluctant to... Un- there you go. Off the top, axe handle. One, two, three. I feel like they went home early. I feel-, I feel like Peter had a problem. I feel like this is why we haven't seen Peter Weeks ever again. Oh, my God.
2: Getting to a, a, a happier or more lighter subject here. Um, Vince plugs to Tonka versus Mr. Hughes for Mania on Saturday morning. And Savage gives us a wonderful, wonderful quote, which is as, in, in verbatim here. That just shows me that the Native American is really spunky. And he's
1: ready and he's ready. <laughs> <laughs> he's ready and He's ready. <laughs>
2: And then Bobby Heenan has to add, while Vince is smiling, that that just shows me why they sold sold Manhattan for twenty four bucks. <laughs> and Vince's face dropped at that point.
1: Shouldn't say that, brother. You get yourself in big trouble. <laughs> this savage is each tra- traffic cop for the show. Uh, so I now can't look at Peter Weeks again.
2: <laughs> you won't have to. No, anymore.
1: that's it. He's done. But. If if you struggle with irritable bowel syndrome, mm-hmm. the Peter Weeks debacle may make you feel better or worse. I'll leave that with you. But do... I wouldn't say watch it. But it's there if you do want to. I mean, that's horrible.
2: Uh, let me think here. Um... Best way to put this... Uh... If the X-Lack scene from Dumb and Dumber didn't make you sick, the idea of what was going on in that scene, you might be fine here. You might be fine. Um, if there was ever a video called Two Weeks, One Canvas," that would be. It. Oh. If if the idea of that makes you sick, then, then then don't watch it.
1: Don't watch it. I do. From what I do understand, that that kind of incident is more common than you realize.
2: And he didn't he did not have his muffler in.
1: <laughs> or the muffler, or, or, or the muffler was insubstantial. But I understand that kind of thing has happened to wrestlers We're all previously. Human. We're all
2: human.
1: That's uh... I listened to another podcast, um A Squared Circle <laughs> Podcast, and Andy Boy Simmons. Talks about a similar incident <laughs> that occurred when he was wrestling. I'll go seek out the podcast. I, it's not my place to tell the story, but I'm sure I'll let him share it. But it's apparently more common than you realize. If that is what's happened to Peter Weeks, it's more common than you realize.
2: <laughs> Why should just be like hair product or something? We're making a mountain of a here.
1: Yep. I mean, he could have easily dyed his lower back hair. It's normal.
2: It's you know, trying to impress somebody.
1: Talking about dyeing your hair, did Jerry Lawler have unseasonably black hair in this next bit, or was that just me?
2: It may have been the contrast from his all-pink outfit, which is it, nice because we're going, we're going from the stink to the pink here.
1: It might have been very... <laughs> nice. It very much might have been.
2: Yes, Lawler's hosting the King's Court segment, the first ever in Raw history. He insults the New York crowd, and then he brings out his guests, Yokozuna and Mr. Fuji. And there's, there's approximately seven people in the crowd chanting Hogan. Lawler tells them to shut up.
0: <laughs>
2: it is not an overwhelming Hogan majority here by any means. I gotta I gotta say it is it feels like, it feels like a bizarre anachronism to hear Lawler trashing Hulk Hogan on the promo in WWE.
1: Yeah, it feels like they're from two very different worlds. It really does. It's like if
2: like imagine Lawler like like bashing like demolition. Like uh, it, like like two two entities that, that never cross paths in those guises or contexts. It just feels like someone like well, Hogan's on his way out, Lawler's kind of fresh here it does feel like two different worlds are colliding.
1: I'd quite like to have seen Lawler versus Hogan. I think they've... And we
2: almost got it in 2007 if it wasn't for WWE. Oh, really? Yeah, Hogan had that show in Memphis shortly after WrestleMania 23. He was going to face Lawler in a match, but WWE pulled Lawler from the appearance because uh, Hogan was on the outs with them at the time and they didn't want him doing it because they they had like his contractual. Uh... They kind of had him by the balls. Huh? So Hogan... I,
1: I, never knew that.
2: So Hogan ended up facing a post WWE Big Show instead.
1: And yeah, that 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 makes more sense.
2: Yeah. when he was known as Paul Great White,
1: the Great White. I seem to remember him doing a few shows as the Great White. Yeah.
2: Which uh, remember White's his last name? It's not an aspersion on a any other gimmick he may have had. Fruji tells us that Yoko is now closer to 550 pounds and he's eating, and I'm quoting here, 15 to 20 meals a day.
1: Oh, I'm very jealous. What a life. I quite like to eat 15 to 20 (laughs) meals a day. I was at my Slimming World group the other day, Justin. Mm -hmm. Because I've been, I joined Slimming World back in January because I got too fat. I (laughs) decided to be less fat. and And you and you you have you've lost a lot of weight you look great oh you you cheeky bless you um i'm not i'm 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 further away from death so that's reassuring (laughs) because my blood pressure was like sky high last year and now i've lost weight it's normal so i'm i'm not gonna die as quick so that's there's the benefit but there was so the, the the highlight for me of going to slimming world is on a tuesday night so the night after me and you will normally record Cult Classic Raw Review, I go to my Slimmy World group. And you, you... So that's where everybody gets together and says, how's your week been? Have there's, what have you been cooking? Who's lost... Like, you stand on the scales and you weigh yourself and you'll get told how much you've lost, how much you've gained from last week, and you have it read out to the group and all this stuff. And the one week... Our leader of the group came in and told us about, and they've never named the person in question. It was somebody at another group who had been on holiday for two weeks, been on vacation for two weeks, that had come back and had gained 23 (laughs) pounds. And I am fascinated. When they announced, I was like, stop there. Right. What were they doing for two weeks to were get? Pre- that's that is a phenomenal amount of weight.
2: Were they preparing for a match with Hulk Hogan for the WWF Championship?
1: Do you know what? It crossed my mind because to to put that much weight on that's that's a commitment to food. That's like I'm getting up at six a.m. to get to the buffet where I will stay till five p.m. And 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 not have a break. I'm just I was and I still to this day always ask how's this woman doing and she's now <laughs> losing the weight. But like twenty three pounds in two <laughs> weeks, like what? Wow! I'm in awe. Like even if even in my in my worst week, Justin at Slimming World, I've gained five pounds. My worst week, and that was when it was just like. Oh, that, oh, Tom, what happened? Why did you gain five pounds? I just drank loads of beer and I ate a donut burger. <laughs> What's a donut burger? It's a donut cutting half of the burger in the middle. It's brilliant. What the hell else could it possibly be? Exactly. There was, I think I upset people because they said, has anybody cooked anything nice? Has anybody eaten anything nice this week? I went, yep, yeah, I've eaten a donut burger. It's a donut oh, with a burger in the middle. And the woman said, didn't sound very healthy. I yeah. It was not. You just asked if we'd eaten anything nice, and <laughs> and it was nice. <laughs> I've <laughs> I five pounds yourself. on this week. <laughs> but anyway, it just when they when that whole thing came out, like he's eating this many meals, it just put me in mind of this unnamed woman from, from Slimming World who's eaten and gained twenty three pounds in two weeks. <laughs> this phenom of of weight loss.
2: Can you imagine Yoko and Mr. Fuji attending one of those meetings? Do you and know then what?
1: Food. It'd be amazing. It'd be amazing. And Fuji,
2: and Fuji proudly reveals the entire diet. And everyone looks <laughs> up like, what are
1: you doing? Like You're not doing it back. right. <laughs> <laughs> right. John! John! Yoko Yokozuna at Slimmy World. There's your Photoshop job. <laughs> or Yoko working from home while wearing a muumuu. <gasps> John! <Good. laughs>
2: Because the, the power plant won't take him back because of disability.
1: John! John, <laughs> John! Stop listening to this podcast now and make that!
2: Yoko just want to see Honk if you're horny in peace. <laughs> <laughs> but Yoko says Hogan's going down. Hogan, Lola make sure to know that this Sunday you can say goodbye to Hulk Hogan for good. Which is almost oh, a spoiler.
1: How true he was,
2: Almost kind of a funny moment here as they cut back to the commentary table. And of course you have Heenan advocating for Yoko saying he's going to guarantee victory. He's gained too much weight. Hogan can't deal with a monster of that size. He can't deal with when he's fresh, when he, when he hasn't had a match beforehand to wear him down. So you, so Vince turns to Savage for what you think is going to be the counterpoint where he's going to defend Hogan. And this, my ears pricked up at this point because I'm thinking Savage and Hogan weren't on very good terms at this point. But he's got to defend Hogan here as the babyface advocate, so to speak. He he, he talks about how, oh, I could go either way. You know, we'll see what happens.
1: He he won't even put Hogan over in that instance. That's it. He just says, this Sunday we'll know the answer. Let it happen. (laughs) I was surprised. Yeah, I was the same as you. I was like, "Why, why aren't you putting him over?
2: Because usually you think he'd be like, Hulk Hogan's going
1: to do the thing, do the thing, and he's
2: going to beat your and hold on to the world championship, but no. Just a very benign, noncommittal response.
1: Thought well, that was interesting. Yeah, I was very, I was, that didn't, it did, but didn't surprise me.
2: So we get ready for our main event. We're going to answer Bill Dunn introduces uh first smoking guns and he introduces i thought this was interesting i never heard this before he says that that bart gun is billy's cousin that threw me
1: i assume they were brothers they're supposed to be brothers
2: they were brothers in the storyline later
1: did you think that's bart gun being a bit sort of ecumenical with the truth just kind of having a bit of fun
2: that's i just don't think they knew what they were supposed to be at that point It was like when Edge and Christian later on were not brothers anymore. Despite sharing a grandma, Edna, as had been established in the storyline once.
1: I just wonder whether that was uh, your man just making it up a little bit.
2: (laughs) That's maybe. uh, Maybe Bill Dunn was kind of just spitballing there.
1: He certainly didn't react if that was the case.
2: I come to the ring by fellow cowboy enthusiast
1: Bart. (laughs) That would have been funny. I announced I announced Zach Gibson to the ring once, name drop. I announced Zach Gibson to the ring, um, but got his weight completely wrong, and he didn't even pretend. I announced him about fifty pound lighter than he was. I was weighing one hundred eighty five pounds, and and I saw him on the ramp. Look at me going, you what, mate? <laughs> I was like, oh no, I've got it wrong. And afterwards, I went and found him at home. I'm sorry, I said you were thinner than you were, Zach. <laughs> and it's like, oh, you you get that off cage match by any chance? I said, yeah, it had look earlier. Yeah, it's wrong on there, mate. <laughs> you <laughs> feeling... oh, sorry, Zach.
2: You're, f- you're feeling bad for your slimming world friends, so, you, so you're saying <laughs> in other ways.
1: I assumed it was him on the on the holiday. <laughs> everyone gets to be lighter you get to be lighter I thought you'd you'd appreciate it (laughs) I'm just trying to be nice yeah I'm going to do NXT UK you can do 205 live now
2: (laughs) Scott Steiner is not wrestling in this match he's he's here for Rick because it's uh, Rick and Billy Gunn versus Fatu and IRS
1: he's just here to, to stand there in a gym top and look hench a gym
2: top tucked in the jeans, which are tucked in the cowboy boots. It's
1: a full tuck army
2: going on here. Some people cannot pull that look off. And I'm not going to say if Scott Snyder can or can't. I'm just saying I wouldn't tell him to his face.
1: No, it's, it's certainly... It, it is Looking great, Scott. Looking great. Very much described as a look he had.
2: Yes, and uh, it was a, it was a very early 90s look, let's be fair. He wasn't like the pioneer of it or anything.
1: How do you feel about this hodgepodge tag team match idea?
2: Well, I thought it was weird when they called it a mixed tag, which is <laughs> to imply that it is either a standard-sized male wrestler and a midget partner, or a male wrestler and a female wrestler. Irina
1: R. Shyster.
2: <laughs> Fatuina. billy jean gun,
1: <laughs> billy, billy, gun. Jean. billy gun but it's spell i-e yeah, billy jean is not my uh... badass <laughs> <laughs> see i was thinking if it was billy gun i was just thinking oh, iconic
2: <laughs> he's just the guy who said oh you didn't know
1: <laughs> oh there's a lovely moment where rick steiner and billy gun stand next to each other and it just looks like Rick Steiner's Billy Gunn's little mate. <laughs> it does. Uh, the size difference is difference. humorous. I, I
2: was not expecting that either. I, like, I know Billy's tall. But I thought Rick's maybe a, a, a shade over six feet, but it was like, my God, it was like Joe Pesci standing next to Daniel Stern Home Alone.
1: <laughs> Joe Pesci, who <laughs> in turn standing next to Danny DeVito, but as yeah. the little goblin in Hercules.
2: Billy to gets hit in the face with an iron after pulling a, a light, a, a
1: light <laughs> chain. I watched that film earlier the other day, so that's quite a fun reference.
2: <laughs> Hedge drinkers are eating WF ice cream bars, and I wrote, How I Envy Them.
0: <laughs>
1: he was eating the Macho Man one, if I remember correctly. I was hoping yeah. that Macho would make a reference to it.
2: it. It took a while for them to pick up on it, too. It was. The the camera's on Alpha licking this bar for like twenty seconds. or someone convinced goes, "Hey, that's you on the bar." I don't know someone if I'd funny... be
1: flattered or not.
2: It's one of the funny clue them in. Like like
1: before, Offa bites Randy's head off. Could you, someone make a reference to this? That would have been one heck of a, a, a an image if he just bit the head off Randy Savage. He's starting you know, like a new Oz... feud. Like, like he's Ozzy biting the head off a bat. <laughs>
2: Savage Savage knows that it's Howard Finkel's birthday. And also, a woman named Mrs. Pritchard from Houston. Her birthday. Presumably, I assume, the mother of Bruce and Dr. Tom. I'm going to assume, anyway. I noticed that when Fatu and Billy Gunn were in the ring, it was two men who would be known for their asses. Ooh!
1: It's true! I found this to be quite bizarre. (laughs) The ass men of the WWF. Pre getting your ass out. I also noticed that all the heels would have sons
2: that would enter the business eventually, including the two at ringside.
1: Did you enjoy the the money exchange between IRS and Fatu?
2: Yes, IRS is trying to give Fatu money to apparently do a good job, and then Fatu and Afa take turns eating the money.
1: <laughs> do you get it because they're savages.
2: Yes, they are. Savages, don't know
1: savages. <laughs>
2: It's uh, a little cartoonish, but okay. Iris misses a flying close, at one point and goes flying over the ropes. And then we have a heel dissension moment where Iris accidentally hits Fatu off of, off of a miss, and then DiBiase, Samu, all of them get involved in an argument. DiBiase has to pay them off to try and make nice. Of course, they all eat the money again. It's just... Whatever. It, it's edible enough.
1: I'm quite surprised how quickly we get into the... Dissension of tag team bit because that was the whole premise of this match. Was it was two teams that aren't used to teaming with each other. So what are they gonna do?
2: They have to make this thing stick quick because the match is in six days. They gotta make it somewhat relevant. It's uh, we got IRS and the IRS and Rick in the ring at one point, and I remember they had a feud in NWA a few years earlier that had a great payoff when Rick won the TV title from him at Starrcade '88. You ever, you ever hear a crowd reaction, people? Put in Starkey at 88 and watching Rick Steiner beat Mike Rotunda.
1: Oh, okay. Uh, that that yeah. wouldn't have been at the front of my mind, but I will <laughs> now.
2: It is an ungodly reaction. They couldn't be happier that Rick Steiner has beat the snotty Captain Mike Rotunda.
1: Oh, I'm intrigued.
2: <laughs> Rick gets beaten outside during a distraction spot, and Vince actually screams at Joey Morella to take control of the match. Like,. No, like, you don't. Know, come on, referee! It's really like, like, God, do your job, take control. <laughs> Maybe Vince was mad at Monsoon for some reason, and she was embarrassed his kid on the air. Possibly. Billy ends up getting the hot tag at one point. Vince calls him a one-man gang. What Notice. a weird
1: reference! When you think the gang wasn't that far removed from the WWF.
2: I think Billy Gunn could have been an effective Akeem. Give him Jive Soul Bro for a theme.
1: The new one-man gang, Billy Gunn.
2: (laughs) That is a a gimmick that is destined for main
1: events. (laughs) It's better than Rockabilly, let's just say that.
2: Well, everything's better than Rockabilly. Uh, Iris gets a cheap pin off of a behind-clothesline into the ropes. It was a very disjointed match, although it kind of had its moments.
1: But that was the whole point, wasn't it, though? It was meant to be disjointed. 'Cause it's 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 two teams who don't normally team with one another. The
2: only part I liked was after the match when Alpha was Alpha ran off of holding the briefcase while chuckling.
1: <laughs> that was that was again just added to the utter chaos of the match.
2: Alpha <laughs> now has a lunchbox for all for all his shrunken heads.
1: Why was DBRC stripping literally seconds before this match ended?
2: Because he was it's very hot in the Manhattan center there, It's Because like,
1: just as IRS was getting the winning pin, DiBiase was taking his gear off. Like he was going to get in there.
2: Um, That's possibly a question for Ted DiBiase, maybe. I assume only he would know the answer to this.
1: We'll ask him when he is the third man. In- well, oh We're beyond that. He's
2: not, is he? We've done that bit. We've blown it already. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, but I think it was a really misjointed main event, but I think that was the point. I think it was meant to be.
2: I suppose it was, although it's not the most effective match for a go-home-before-pay-per-view. a pay-per-view, although Oh, we're
1: completely ineffective.
2: Was there anyone on this show that was even going to be in
1: the tournament? I don't think so. No,
2: because Sean... yeah I'm sorry. That's right, just him, just him, okay. Everybody else, it was just... The Adam Bomb matches, just for future stuff, and Sean was just going to set up the match for Crush. So this is a very bizarre... Are are
1: the IRS and the Million Dollar Man not on the pay-per-view?
2: No, they are. Everyone in this match is on the pay-per-view.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, so it's that match. But then apart from that, that,
2: in terms of the King of the Ring. Well, that's to be fair. That's like the the least or most inconsequential match on the pay-per-view with all due respect to the eight men involved. Yeah. It's just just a throw-in. And it should be noted that, although we could note it on next week's show, I'll just note it now. The Steiners actually won the belts from Money, Inc. the day after the King of the Ring at the TV tapings. Not ah. on Raw, mind you. Not on Raw. But at, at the TV tapings they were taking place in Ohio that day.
1: So we won't see it on the telly for quite a while.
2: We, we never see it on the telly.
1: Oh, no, we don't, do we?
2: No, we, no, we don't. There's, a, there's actually three title changes in a week between the two teams, and none of them ever aired anywhere.
1: But we can touch on, as we get towards them, why that isn't the case.
2: We could. We, we, we have two shows next week, so we'll have plenty of time to discuss that. Speaking of next week's show, the next Raw episode gets plugged here. It's Marty Jenny versus Dwayne the Clown in a two out of three falls match. And I got to tell you, Tom, that was one hell of a match. And you will, I think you will agree with me once you see it.
1: I'm intrigued. I'm really intrigued.
2: Mm-hmm. Also, in action is Mr. Perfect which Savage says the following quote, Mr. Perfect,
1: a super athlete. Yeah, he is. (laughs) See, he can plug Perfect, can't plug Hogan. Well, because Perfect's friends. Perfect
2: never did anything to him in his personal life. That's true. Jerry Lawler will also be in action, hopefully wearing that pink number. And we get a closing interview with Razor Ramon. Friends brings him out. Fans are chaining one, two, three. Razor confirms the $7,500 offer. For rematch with the 1-2-3 kid. He says you could have everyone in the Manhattan Center staying on their heads naked for that money. He's probably not wrong. Vince, at this point, takes, takes a chance to plug the King of the Ring hotline where, where you can vote on who you think will, will win the tournament. He noted earlier in the show that Bret Hart was winning the poll.
1: They were really excited about the King of the Ring hotline.
2: Yeah, it a, it's a moneymaker. <laughs> anything to make money off the fans, I mean, why wouldn't you? That's true. Vince says only 7% of the people who called in think Razor's going to win. So I guess out of the 100 people that called in, 7 people said Razor Rambo.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor Razor.
2: Razor takes his chance to make Nutter Center jokes. That's the venue for the camera. Camera is taking place in Dayton, Ohio, the Nutter Center. And he says that Brett's going to be a Nutter guy who loses to him or something or other. It was a rather bad pun.
1: See, I thought there was more obvious puns to be made there. Yeah,
2: and I, I'm, I'm like, wait, where's this going? And, like, he's, he wouldn't go there in 1993, would he? And, well, he didn't. I was kind of saddened by that. But Vince was so unimpressed by Razor's punnery that he just cuts him off and says, ah, the show's over. And they go right to the finish.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, bye. See you Sunday for kind
2: <laughs> No spooge jokes here unless the show's over.
1: <laughs> but I think it's like you could have even gone... The Nutter Center? Hey, you're nuts if you don't think I'm winning King of the Ring. <laughs> if you're, if you're win, you don't think I'm going to win, you could suck on Dean. Never mind. You could suck on Dean. Nah. <laughs> Just you to see Vince's face suck at on that on point. This Nutter the Center.
2: In case you're wondering, the Nutter Center is a multi purpose arena that is part of Wright State University. And you can tell this is 1993 when they're going to that for a pay per view.
1: Yeah, that's a bit... It, it shows how far removed they were from, like... because I, Am I right in thinking that the last true big arena that they played was Wembley in the UK? Uh,
2: to this point? Um, yeah. You're saying between that and King of the Ring? Uh, let's see here. Caesar's um,
1: parking lot doesn't count.
2: Okay, so Survivor Series was the um, Richfield Coliseum, which which held the first two Survivor Series. Although that's kind of a a B building. I will say that the '93 Rumble that was the Arco Arena in Sacramento, the home of the Sacramento Kings NBA franchise. That's a pretty big building, and they've had many big shows there over the years.
1: Okay, okay. i I mean, I might be wrong.
2: <laughs> I mean, it, it's it's not on the level of Wembley Stadium, obviously. Well, it, but it might that's be. Not... Maybe
1: it was the last stadium they did then for a long time. <laughs>
2: I, I got to use this point to, to, to point out what what Arco Arena is now known as. It is it is now known as Sleep Train Arena.
1: <laughs> I I love it. I love it. What's what is Sleep Train?
2: Um, it's a uh, that's actually a great question. I'll I'll look it up real fast. But actually, they don't even play there anymore. I forgot they moved. Arco Arena is no more. Or Sleep Train Arena is no more.
1: Sleep or, Train is it a mattress company? It is. It's a mattress firm based in Houston, Texas. Amazing. It's, uh... <laughs>
2: Although in between it was known as Power Balance Pavilion.
1: Oh, f- I can it's go like on the Dunkin' Donuts Arena. That always makes me chuckle. <laughs>
2: yeah, and in, in Providence, Rhode Island, home of the 94 Royal Rumble.
1: The Dunkin' Donuts Arena. I've heard much, much worse. Well, you had, you had the Knickerbocker in 1992. And that well, is that's, uh, a world famous dessert. Well,
2: that's also not. It's named for the, the cultural history of the state of New York, so.
1: Is it not named after a Knickerbocker Glory, the world's uh, favorite no. ice cream based dessert?
2: No, it's not. Oh. I mean, we have a lucky round, round here in Philly. We have like a, we have like banks for arenas: Wells Fargo Center, uh, Lincoln Financial Field. It's, I mean, they're they're not great names, but they're better than some I've heard. So
1: over the over the way from. <laughs> And, and and I'm sure this doesn't breach any kind of radio-based protocol, over the way from um, where I'm looking now is the Metro Radio Arena. That's not too bad. Not when you work for the rival radio station to Metro Radio. <laughs> okay. Which, as far as I'm concerned, it is called the Newcastle Arena. <laughs> Because I refuse to say their name on my radio station. <laughs> I, I, I get that. I get that. <laughs> I'm like, no, it's the Newcastle Radio Arena. Or well, before yeah. it was the Telewest Arena, which is like an internet company. So mm-hmm. every so often for the balance, I'll refer to it as the Telewest. But normally <laughs> it's the Newcastle Arena.
2: It's, name-wise, it could, be, it could be a hell of a lot worse.
1: Yeah, they, it's true. It could be a lot, lot worse.
2: It's like how the hell Denver Broncos for years played at Mile High Stadium because Denver is a mile high above sea level. It's known for its altitude. And then once the naming rights came in, it became Sports Authority Field at Mile High Stadium. Oh. Nice and wordy.
1: There was a, a on on this note, in terms of like naming of things, there's a football team based in a town between the English and Welsh border. The town's called Oswestry. And they had a football team that was bought by a company called Total Network Solutions, and mm-hmm. they ended up renaming the football team TNSFC. <laughs> <laughs> and this it was the only football team in the in the entire football league in the UK that was named after a brand, and it became such a point of banter. Like there was there's a fa- there's several famous clips on like football analysis shows of the people saying, oh, it's TNS 3, uh, 3 nil today's TNS. There will be parties in the streets of Total Network Solutions tonight. Uh, <laughs> but since then, TNS sort of reneged on the deal. They they stepped away. But now they're known as the New Saints because they can still be called TNS FC. They just changed <laughs> the acronym. But they were called Total Network Solutions.
2: I think we're headed that way overall, right? soon we're going to see the Verizon Eagles compete in the compete in the Super Bowl against the I don't know the Fidelity Solutions Patriots or whatever.
1: I'm quite excited to watch Coca Cola United in the uh, in the in the Premier Football Premiership at some point.
2: <laughs> hey, it's a fine beverage.
1: <laughs> it is. It is indeed. It is indeed. I, I,
2: I got to say, on one last note here, it's um we give Vince a lot of crap for stuff on these shows. Usually, in the in, in, in a jokey fashion when Wrestlemania 33 was at Camping World Stadium in Orlando the current name of uh, I believe it was the Citrus Bowl it was called that Wrestlemania 24 Vince said no we're calling it the Citrus Bowl during the show do not say Camping World Stadium
1: I love that I remember reading that and I thought that's brilliant well done to you Vince
2: if only they did it for every other show they were at I'd, I'd have even more respect for him Yeah, but I'll take that I'll,
1: well, I'll take that one for hey sure. from the tiny seeds do mighty trees grow this is true. So, um, if you want to hear myself and Justin Henry and our special guest third man, R.D. Reynolds from com talking King of the Ring, all you got to do is stay subscribed to whatever you're listening to right now because it will drop into your feed. It's that simple.
2: And then the day after, you will have the post-King of the Ring show done by Tom and I, as we do every single week. In, in the same fashion as this.
1: What an absolute treat for you!
2: So it's a double header next next week. You got King a double the Ring. whammy right in your ears. <laughs> King of the Ring watch along with 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 us three, followed by the night after all with Tom and I.
1: Thank you so much for subscribing. As always, it's lovely that you are there, and it's always wonderful to to hear from you, see from you, see your photoshops. it genuinely fills my world with joy as it does Justin's as well. So thank you very much indeed for being a part of this.
2: And and that should wrap us up this week. I think
1: it will indeed from Justin Henry, who is at JRH writing on Twitter. If you want to bug him, you go that way. I'm Tom Campbell Mm -hmm. at Tom Campbell. We are collectively under the umbrella of at cultaholic. Do tweet us. RD Reynolds is here in a bit. What is that about? What is life? Love you. Bye.